Hey friend, thanks for stopping by. Pull up the chair and have a seat. You know me, I've got some good Tennessee white pine burning here in the chimney, but we better enjoy it fast because it's hard to believe, but winter solstice has already come and gone and summer solstice is around the corner coming up June 20th, 2021. But listen, hey, chill out. I'm going to run inside and get us a couple of cups of joe. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. You can file this episode under other things. I started Trinity High School in the fall of 1974 and graduated at the 1st of June, 1977. It was a great time to enjoy high school. Disco music, and just as important, disco dancing, had moved into the mainstream of FM music. In 74, Carl Douglas had a huge hit with the most ridiculous song, Kung Fu Fighting. If you haven't ever heard it, just go to YouTube, listen to it. You'll sit back in amazement and wonder how it was a hit. But believe me, it was a huge hit. 75 introduced the song and the dance by the same name, The Hustle. And all you kept hearing was saying, do the hustle, do the hustle. But believe me, again, it was a huge hit. My senior high school days were rained by Casey and the Sunshine Band. All of Casey's music was recorded at the same speed, the ultimate dance tempo, and featured his voice up front and center with brass horn punches calling out in the background. The band's late-night appearances on the Friday night musical variety show, Burt Sugarman's Midnight Special, displayed Casey firmly entrenched behind his keyboard, lip-syncing, playing his keys, and his platform shoes busting loose in a stunted disco dance underneath. The 70s were a happy time, and for the most part in this country, following up with meaningless feel-good music on the tail end of the Vietnam War. During those years at Trinity, we had a lot of freedom on the school campus. The school was patterned after a junior college campus, open air that consisted of nine original buildings, the Fine Arts Building, the Academics Building, the Library, the Science Building, the Physical Education Building, the Cafeteria, the Driver's Education Building, a small two-story building called Building D, which I don't really remember, and an Administration Building. The Physical Education Building included an auditorium that sadly was mothballed and eventually demolished in the 2010s. The buildings were modern in design. The library had a powerfully tall ceiling with long, tall windows. The roof extended out on three sides of the building and were supported visually by tall white columns forming a sense of covered porch. This extended porch created a semi-covered area that became known as the smoking section. To define the space where the students were permitted to smoke on campus, that's if, if they had a parental note giving them permission to smoke cigarettes at school, the administration constructed a four-foot picket fence around the space. The reason why I actually am a little bit uh, chuckling at this point is because I still see it in my mind, and it was really a funny sight. If you were caught outside the smoking corral, Smoking, you were in trouble. For those of us who didn't smoke, we had all sorts of terms for the kids who went to the smoking area. With all of them packed in behind the little picket fence, we would make farm animal sounds as we passed by. The area was far enough away from the rest of the main area, so they could not hear the sounds, which made it that much more humorous between non-smokers. One day, the word was circulating around campus that someone had put out a joint in the makeshift ashtray. The ashtray was a concrete drain pipe stood up on its end, with sand in the middle of it, and the seeds from the pot had sprouted and was growing a marijuana plant. Of course, everyone had to go by the smoking section to see if it was true. It was true. There in the smoking area, ashtray was a tall marijuana plant. 
When the school monitor found out, the kids were banned from the corral for a while. The torture of going without their cigarette breaks brought them back into line when the smoking area was reopened. It seems crazy now to think the smoking area was ever allowed. Back then, people knew that smoking caused lung cancer, but it still had not sunk into the collective consciousness just how bad it is. I came from a long line of smokers. Before my father finally stopped smoking in the house, I woke up as a kid every morning to the smell of my father having a smoke before he got out of bed. He would wake up, sit up and turn to drop his feet onto the ground and light up a morning smoke. The smell would come wafting under my bedroom door, then my stomach would get nauseous, like you feel when you're on the verge of vomiting. Thankfully, I hated the smell so much and the lasting odor on clothes that I never was attracted to it. After moving here to Tennessee, I found out that the entire middle portion of the state has a terrible problem with radon gas poisoning. Radon is a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas. It forms naturally from the decay, the breaking down of radioactive elements such as uranium, which are found in different amounts in soil and rock throughout the world. Radon gas in the soil and rock can move into the air and into underground water and surface water. Tennessee has massive limestone deposits throughout the state, which I'm sure contributes to the high levels of radon gas. After moving to Tennessee, I began to have a pretty severe respiratory problem and became concerned that it could be high concentrations of radon here in our home. So we decided to test the house for radon gas. If you are or have been a smoker, your susceptibility to radon-induced cancer goes through the roof. Our first test showed an unacceptable level of radon gas. I called the National Center for Radon, and I spoke to the gentleman in charge there. The agent at the National Radon Center asked me if I had ever smoked. I told him no, but I had been exposed to secondhand smoke for the first 20 years of my life. The agent kind of chuckled and said, Sir, you would be classified as having smoked, and the damage that was done to your body, especially your lungs at the cellular level, is permanent. Although your lungs may have healed from the damage of the tar and nicotine, cellularly you are still damaged. His warning echoed the words of a surgeon who was finalizing the heart surgery plans with a woman in my church just prior to the orderly wheeling her bed to surgery. Externally, the thin 40-year-old woman appeared to be the picture of health. Internally, her heart was a mess. The woman made the comment to the doctor that her family genetics was to blame for the heart problem. The doctor, in a very non-traditional response, grabbed her by one of her feet and, as he stood at the end of her bed, shook it and said, Judy, look at me. You are here because of one reason. Your cigarette smoking. He said in the past he could not say that with 100% certainty, but we now know that smoking damages every cell in your body, not just your heart or your lungs. He said, I can take a tissue sample from the back of your hand, look at it under a microscope, and tell you if you are a smoker. As an ordained minister, I have performed a great number of funerals. I buried several family members, all due to death by lung cancer and brain cancer caused by smoking. Here are some quick facts about smoking. Did you know there is no cure for lung cancer? It's the second most common cancer in both men and women. The American Cancer Society's estimates for lung cancer in the United States for 2021 are about 235,760 new cases of lung cancer. New cases of lung cancer with a little more than half the cases ending in death. Another fact about lung cancer is you normally develop it in your senior year 65 and up. The average diagnosis age is 70. Lung cancer is by far the leading cause of cancer death among both men and women, making up almost 25% of all cancer deaths. Each year, more people die of lung cancer than colon, breast, and prostate cancer combined. 
All of us know that stats don't drive us to life change. They usually just annoy us. The reason why I include them here is for motivation reinforcement of the loved ones with smokers to do all they can in encouraging the smoker to make a change. Do the hard thing. Seek medical treatment to break the habit. And also as a catalyst for prayer. It is exceptionally hard to be at peace if you must struggle for every breath. Emphysema alone causes a great deal of anxiety because you struggle to breathe. Friend, if you are a smoker, Jesus does not condemn you for your bad habit. He wants to set you free from the body-damaging substance and give you clear breathing and hopefully a longer life. Shame does not make the change. Empowerment by the Holy Spirit of God does. In the Bible book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, the Apostle Paul writes, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish things away. Smoking once was a childish thing, done in ignorance by a childish reasoning. Our society has become an adult in the ills of smoking. It is time to put away the childish things. Friend, I want to give you an encouraging word, and I will not go into all the details on why I speak this thing, but I will tell you this, that I was waked up at 3.48 this morning by the Spirit of the Lord, and He communicated to me that, Kenny, I am hearing the prayers of the saints. Something for good, for the advancement of God's kingdom, happened significantly in the spiritual realm last night. That's all the detail I will go into. I don't say this as thus saith the Lord, but as a Christian, as I've shared before, that the Holy Spirit does speak to our hearts. And without a doubt, God communicated to me that He is working and He is active and He is hearing the prayers of the millions of saints across this globe who are crying out about the insanity and the anarchy and the lawlessness and the outpouring of evil that we see in our day. Remember, friend, this is God's world. This is my Father's world. He is the one who is in control. Everyone I listen to or or watch on podcasts, YouTube channels who know the Lord, they are saying the same thing, that God has this thing. He is communicating to his children that he is going to work things out for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. He loves this world and he loves every person in this world, regardless of where they are with him at this moment. Remember that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in our sin, that Christ died for us. He loves us beyond measure. He loves this world. It's heartbreaking to our Heavenly Father as to what's happening right now. And He is not sitting idly by. He is active and He will come to our rescue. I want to give you that word of encouragement as we close out today. And with that, I bid you peace.